The title of this week's episode is How I Make Thousands from Training Videos. My guest this week is Chris Croft. The truth be told, it's probably in the multiples of thousands. And the reason is that Chris has been extremely successful in developing video content and selling that content on a range of platforms from LinkedIn Learning to Udemy and a couple of others, but primarily those two. And what's interesting is that Chris, like many guests on the show, had a background in, let's say, something quite ordinary, in this case, engineering and production. But Chris quickly learned that there was massive potential in creating courses for people who are around the world and want to learn something very, very simple. And Chris is going to share all of these tips today, thinking of all the courses Uh, 29 courses so far on things like project management, process improvement, team working assertiveness, and what he thinks are the major success steps to creating an income, whether it's face-to-face or whether it's online learning. But we're going to focus on a lot of today, understanding what Chris has done to make his training tribe come back for more. How do you generate those fans? How do you spread your expertise in a way that people hire you, watch your videos, subscribe to your newsletter, and all of that stuff. There's loads today in this week's value-packed episode. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people who have got something to tell the world and sell the world in terms of their expertise. The focus of this show is on the business of you making money, programs, workshops, courses, books, keynotes, anything that translates from what you've done and what you're good at doing into teaching other people how to do that thing. So it's all about skills acquisition, but more importantly, monetization. Now, maybe you have your own expert business. Maybe you're thinking, on the other hand, of leaving a job to start it. Well, this is why these episodes are so interesting, and I find them really interesting when I'm interviewing wonderful guests like today's guest, Chris, because I get to learn how he and others on the show have made mistakes, the tips they've uh, learned work, and they're delighted to share these tips with you. My name is Mark. I'm a self-employed trainer, coach, and published author. I've been employed, self-employed, unemployed. I've made some tremendous mistakes, and there are things when I'm interviewing guests where I'm kicking myself thinking, why did I not do that? But this is the joy of recording these episodes. And every Thursday, there is an episode of this show to help you wherever you are on this journey. Not with my lessons in life, but often the, and more often the, more importantly, the lessons of my guests on this journey. I'd love you to click on the follow button or the subscribe button because this notifies you of great episodes as they come out, which can help your business wherever you are and however you describe yourself as a practitioner, consultant, trainer, coach, facilitator, and so on. It costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds to do. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've been uh, looking forward to this for quite a while. Um, Mm. As I said to you before we clicked record, I've seen your face online uh, for a number of years, and I thought, isn't this great to finally meet you in person? I'm only me, but it is weird because <laughs> people who've seen me on video a lot, yeah, they go, they go, oh my god, I can't believe it's really you, and I'm, I'm just me. You're just you. Know? you. I, yeah, I find it quite weird to have so many viewers online, but we'll come to that. I expect. So let's talk about your your background. D- these days, you have um, quite a number of courses under your belt. Um, let's start with with where you came from, bringing you up to the point today where you have your courses, you have your brand, you have your customers. Where did the whole thing begin, this training business journey, this expert journey? Yes. Uh, by accident, I would say. Um, <clears throat> I've had three phases because I started out as an engineer. I did a degree in engineering and I was not a very good engineer. Too much detail, um, 
you know, just too impatient. Uh, and I knew that as soon as I started, I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Um, but, you know, I liked maths at school for some reason. And so I thought engineering would be the answer. So I went into management, mm-hmm. which was sort of much more exciting and fast moving and things. And I wasn't a bad manager, I don't think, but I didn't really enjoy it. A lot of stress, pressure, you know, and you have to fire people and do horrible things to people sometimes. And there's politics, which seems pointless. And, and I just, I kept thinking if I could just be one more level up, I could really make a difference. And then when I got promoted, I found that, oh no, I just need to go one more level up. And so I found management very frustrating really. And you can make 1% difference to a hundred people, but you end up thinking, well, why don't I just do a hundred percent difference and just be me, you know, and have more control and, and management. You think you're going to have control, but you don't because you only have 1% control over a hundred people. And there's always a boss above you and other forces. And so I just started feeling almost desperate, really thinking, I don't want to spend my whole life running factories, sorting out factories, because that's what I was doing. And I'd thought about giving it all up and going to be a teacher because I'd sort of always kind of liked the idea of teaching, but teaching is really bad pay, badly paid and very stressful. You've got 40 kids who don't listen to you and probably tell you to F off these days. I don't know. And I just thought, yeah, I can't do that. And you have to take two years off to get trained and during which they don't pay you. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. Uh, why anybody would become a teacher? I, I don't know. I think they're heroes, you know, but you'd have to be almost mad, really. And then by pure chance, there was an advert in the local paper for a university lecturer. And I didn't even see it. I didn't even read the education jobs. But my next door neighbor, who I don't even like, came round and said, Chris, look at this. You should do this. He knew that I was just desperately trying to find something else to do. And uh, he said, look at this. And I said, well, I, can't, I haven't got a qualification. And he said, you don't need one. He said, all you need is a degree. Anyone can be a university lecturer. So teachers, it's very controlled. But university lecturers, you can be anyone, which is bizarre. So I thought, I'll go and be interviewed and see what it's all about. So I turned up and to the interview and they, were, they do it in a really odd way because they have about eight people on the day and they interview all of you and, and you, you go back into this sort of holding room with the other seven in between all these interviews and tests. And they have some group activities as well, even. And you have to give a talk in front of the others. And the others were all really impressive. They all had PhDs and things. And I was thinking, ah, you know, this is ridiculous. I've wasted my time. And at the end, they announced the winner. That's how they do it in education. And they said, and we would like to offer the job to you. And they pointed at me. I couldn't believe it. And they obviously thought, you know, I had some ability to communicate ideas to students. I don't know. So they said, do you want to take the job or not? And I thought, well, I better take it because if I don't, they'll give it to the next person in line. That's how they do it. So I just said, yep, I'll take it. And I had no idea really what being a university lecturer even involved, but I thought I'll take it. And what it involved was teaching mostly students, which was really fun. And also doing a bit of training for out, for companies outside the university, a day on leadership or something. And that was actually really fun as well. And they taught me how to do that, which was great. Um, the pay was really bad and there was quite a lot of politics and pointless meetings as well. But the teaching, it was like discovering what you were born to do. And I've got a belief based on no facts at all that everyone's got something they're born to do if they can only find it. And I think a lot of people plod through life doing jobs that they don't really enjoy, but they need the money, you know, got to pay the mortgage. And if they could only find or perhaps have the guts to chuck in their job and try something different, which is really risky, they could find the thing. So I halved my pay and, and went down a totally different job, but it turned out to be great. And I loved it. The only problem was I couldn't really live on the money because I'd been become accustomed to living on manager's money. And, and I was eating into my savings and I was doing the odd bit of training in my spare time, running courses for people and things, which was not really allowed, but everyone did it. And then one day they had a big meeting, got us all in and said, we're terribly sorry, making you all redundant, but you can keep the customers because we don't want them anymore. We're not doing any more training for external um, companies. So you can have the customers. So suddenly there I was self-employed with a load of customers. So they taught me how to do it. And then they gave me the customers. And that was, that was pretty lucky. 
The only thing I did that I think was was skillful, perhaps, was I volunteered. So when they said, we want someone to teach negotiating, I put my hand up and said, I'll do that. Because I knew that there would probably be a market at some point for that. And then when they said, can anyone do leadership? I went, I'll do that. So I volunteered for time management, leadership and negotiating, because I thought they would be three subjects that would always be in demand. And I was right. And I vaguely thought I might chuck in my job and do it. I never expected redundancy to give it to me on a plate. But I think I probably would have gone self-employed a few years later anyway, actually. So for whatever reason, I ended up as a self-employed trainer 25 years ago, um, having discovered that training was what I like doing and am good at. Um, and if you can find something you like doing and you're good at, so I like playing the saxophone, but I'm not very good at it. So no one's going to pay me to do that, but, but training people will pay me to do. So that was such a relief to find a, a skill that I could do. So I was happily just driving around the country, talking to groups of people about project management, time management, leadership and negotiating. I added project management, basically a customer said, could you run a project management course? We've got all the slides. And I said, yeah, I think I could do that. And I ran the project management course. And and then I carried on running that same course for loads of other customers. I'm not sure if I was allowed to, but I did. And I made it my own. I changed the slides quite a lot gradually, and it became my own course. Um, so I added project management to my collection of subjects. And one of my tips I would give is have more than one subject because over the years subjects have come and gone and if you sell one customer to a uh, one subject to a customer they quite often say what else can you do or i notice you do this as well could you do this for us and so to have a range of subjects means it's much easier to sell you can go to a customer and say what do you want because whatever it is i can probably do it but also it's it the flip side chris mad. though is that i found people have said to me you're too much of a generalist you should Focus yeah. on an area because people say pick a lane, don't exactly they? become synonymous with that thing. You write books on that, your articles, your posts, they're all on that theme. I think if you're a keynote speaker, you probably mm. do have to have a name for one thing. Right. Although, you know, Simon Sinek talks about all sorts of stuff, doesn't he? He talks about yeah. leadership and strategy and things. So, I mean, it, but I think, yes, you can be known for one thing. But you can be known for a style of how you do it. I mean, I think I'm known for being sort of quite fun, but also practical sort of thing. Uh, but I have had people occasionally who've said, why would I hire you? I want a world expert. And, and my argument is, no, you don't want a world expert. Because when I was at Cambridge University, we had world experts who couldn't communicate with normal people. And they were bored having to teach boring stuff to us, you know, mere undergraduates. What you want is somebody who can explain the basics really clearly. So I can explain the top 10 things you need to know for negotiating really clearly in a fun way. You don't need to know the, the final 1% of advanced research that's probably wrong anyway. So you don't actually want a world expert. You want a great trainer, I think. But sometimes I say that to a customer and they go, well, thanks, but no, we're going to get an expert. And I go, all right, then. And so it, it's not been a problem for me that I cover lots of different things. Very rare that people say, but we want an expert. Um, normally they say, we want help with this. And I say, I can do that. Here's how I would do it. And they go, oh, that looks good. Oh, you're going to cover the top 10 things and have a, a, a there's going to be a role playing exercise. And then you, and you know, and they go, well, that all looks great. And so th they look at the content and it's fine. And they don't seem to go into, are you an expert? But I have also found that some customers only get me in for one thing. So, so to some of my customers, I'm the project management guy. And I've said, you know, you could do time management as well. And they go, no, 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 we've got somebody else for that. And But it means that at least I'm in all those different customers. And the main thing is it stops me going mad. I mean, I may have gone mad anyway. But but imagine doing project management every day of the week for your whole yes. life. You know, and I love it. I, I happily do it once a fortnight. Um, but that variety, I think, is important. Easier to sell. You don't go mad. Um, and, and then there's the second sell of, you know, other subjects. And, and a lot of people I've done project management for, I've said the second half of this subject really is time management. And they said, great, let's do that as well then. And it's an easy sell once they know you and they like the way you do it. So thinking of that topic of selling, 
a lot of trainers, experts struggle with this. They don't like the concept of selling. They'd rather teach it. They'd rather write about it. But the idea of lifting the phone and yes. um, hustling for business is anathema to them. How did you overcome that? Um, or did you have to overcome that uh, well, reluctance the, to sell yourself? One a, of the really, the really great discoveries I made was you get a lot more repeat work than you expect. So, you know, I started with about five customers or whatever when the university set us free, as they called it. <laughs> and those five kept getting me back. Can you do that subject again? Can you do a different subject? And the churn of people in a company, I mean, I think most people probably stay for, say, four years on average in a job, maybe less. And that means that a quarter of the people every year are different. You know, after four years, you, you you haven't got a completely different company because some people are going to be there forever, but that means a lot of people leave every two years. So you, 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 you get a lot of churn. And so every year they say, we've got another 10 people who need to know about time management. Can you come and do it? And even a small company with 50 employees, you know, they've got 10 new people every year that they want to train or every two years. So I've only got about 20 or 30 customers who just rotate round and round. And if you've got, if you've got 30 customers and you do three days a year for each, that's 90 days, which is all you need, isn't it? I mean, thousand pounds a day, that's 90 grand. And you're doing a hundred days a year, which is two days a week for 90 grand. But that's kind of, if you look at those numbers, that, that yeah. works. And, and that's and the been, active training. And then of course you have yeah. as ancillary income, the different products online, the courses that make money for you while you sleep. Well, yeah. And that was a bit of a weird discovery. So what happened was that my daughter discovered Udemy.com and she'd been making videos on Udemy on things like how to put on makeup really quickly and how to study for your exams. She was only about 20 back then. And um, he said to me, dad, I think we should do a leadership course for Udemy. And I sort of said, what's Udemy? How does that work? And so she filmed me talking for about an hour and a half, which I can easily do. And she cut it all up and uploaded this course, you know, made it into 20 or 30 videos, stuck it on Udemy. And it did really well. It brought in a thousand quid a month. So we immediately thought, you know, let's do another one. Let's do a negotiating course and then let's do a sales course. And because I've spent years in management being unhappy, really, but at least soaking up experiences, I've got lots of material. So in some ways, I sort of wish I'd got into training sooner. But if I had, I wouldn't have had all the knowledge and experience that I've got, all those terrible bosses that I've learned how not to do it and all the things that have happened to me with customers and things, which I draw on a lot because people love stories and things. It shouldn't all be theory. So so we recorded several more courses and they were each bringing in a thousand a month on Udemy. And so before long, we had like, you know, five grand a month coming in on Udemy. And, and I was thinking this, this could be really good. And then I got the second half of my courses are on LinkedIn learning. But back then it was called lynda.com. And I got an email from lynda.com and they said, we've seen your courses on Udemy. Um, and we've also seen your project management wrap on YouTube because for some reason, you know, make a plan before you start, always have a Gantt chart and things. And I made this wrap just for a laugh. And, and I think when they'd searched YouTube for project management, it said, Project Management Wrap as one of the suggested things. And they thought, what is that? And they clicked. And because they saw it, they clicked and they found me. And they looked at the rest of my channel because I had loads of other videos that were just sort of three-minute, useful, sensible videos about project management. And they thought, oh, he, he could be all right. So I got this message from lynda.com saying, would you be interested in providing some videos for us? And like an utter idiot, sometimes I can't believe how stupid I am. I said, no. I said, oh, no, I, I don't want to do that. If I said, can I just send you some videos I've already got? And they said, no, you'd have to film them specially for us. And I said, well, where are you? And they said, Los Angeles. And I said, oh, I'm not doing that. I don't want to go to Los Angeles and be filmed. And they said, do you realize who we are? And I said, no. <laughs> And I'd sort of Googled lynda.com and the website wasn't very good. You couldn't really see how big it was. You had to join first and then you could search for a subject. And I, I just thought, you know, lynda.com, what is that? You know, and, and, and looking back, I should have realized if you've got the, the dot com for lynda.com, you've got to be reasonably big. 
Um, but they were by far the biggest online learning site in the world. And I just said, I don't want to do that. But when they said, do you realize who we are? I sort of said, well, not really. And they said, well, we're quite big. And then I said, well, will I get paid for this? And they said, oh, yeah, you know, you'll get paid per view. But we don't know the exact amount because they've got a very complicated algorithm for the payment because uh, it depends how many people watch all the videos and it sort of gets divided up proportionally, um, which is fair, but you can't predict exactly how much you'll get each month. And they said, but we'll also pay you $10,000 advance and your flight and your hotel and a hire car. And I think it was the hire car that swung it. I don't know. And I went, okay, I'll be there. When can I come? And so looking back, that was ridiculous because the advance is irrelevant and the hotel and the car are irrelevant. But so I went to Los Angeles to be filmed for my first ever course, just because they asked me to. Um, and now they're not asked. Now they've been bought by LinkedIn and they've become huge. They're not asking people anymore. You have to send in stuff. And they don't even read or, I mean, they get, it's like, it's like the old days trying to get a recording deal. You'd send your cassette in and it just joins a mountain of other cassettes they haven't even looked at, you know? Uh, and so it's very difficult to get on there now. But luckily in the early days, they contacted me. Um, so I went to Los Angeles to be filmed my first ever. And it's really hard being filmed. I don't know whether you've done it at all, Mark, but it's, uh, it's scary. It's difficult. You can't take your eyes off the camera. You mustn't shuffle your feet. You can't move. You can't clear your throat. It's, it's, it's a skill. And I remember just thinking, you know, why can't I do this? Why is this so difficult? But it, it's just a new skill. It's like, you can't pick up a saxophone and play it. You know, what, why can't I play this thing? And so anyway, they seemed to think it was good. We took a whole week to film 20 videos, 25 minute videos. That was called Project Management Simplified, which has gone on to have a million views and be really successful. And they were going, oh, Chris, you're a natural. We got to get you back in their American accent that I can't do. And I was thinking, really? Because I didn't feel I had done it very well at all, really. But they did get me back and we did another one on teams and then we did assertiveness and we and I've gone back 11 times now and I've filmed about 20 courses in Los Angeles, but I filmed another 20 at home and sent them over to them. Um, and so I've got about 40 courses on there now. Um, and they bring in a whole load of money. I mean, you don't want to know the amount. I won't tell you because you'll just hate me, but it's loads. And I'm still a bit bemused by the whole process, to be honest, because I think, I think there are maybe two things people like about my courses. I think one of them is they're quite simple. So my objective is to make subjects easy. I don't want to look clever. I don't think I am clever actually in terms of real depth of knowledge. So I just want, I want something like project management to look simple, to, to just get down to the real essence of what does a busy person do? to understand that so, or, or time management or negotiating, you know, what's the real essence of it. And I'm fascinated by really understanding subjects and boiling them down into a little structure like engineer does time management. Right. And I think the other thing, apart from the simplicity is that I think my sense of humor does come across and <clears throat> LinkedIn learning are, are very um, careful and politically correct and sensible because the courses go all over the world. So, you know, you can't swear or, for example, I wanted to put a story in about considering shooting my neighbor's cat, right. but deciding not to shoot the cat because it would make me feel guilty. And it was a, a video about guilt. Um, and they said, you can't even mention that. And I said, but I'm not going to shoot the cat. I thought about it, but I decided not to. And they went, no, no, you can't, you can't mention guns and animals in the same sentence, you know? And so there are lots of things you can't even joke about. And I think that's fine because, you know, it goes all over the world and some people might be upset. Um, so they're very hot on not being too naughty. Uh, but I think my sense of humor still comes across and I think people really like that. And I've discovered the camera saps about 20% of your energy. So if you are normal, when you talk to the camera, you'll come over as a bit dull. So you've got to be extra hyper. You know, you got to have like three cups of coffee or in my case, a couple of cans of Coke before you go on. Uh, Coca-Cola is my savior. And then you've got to be really, really energetic. And, and I'm exhausted after I filmed a course because you get nothing back from the camera. It's not like an audience. You know, it just sits there. 
And you've got to really pour your soul and your heart and your energy into that lens. And then you'll come over as reasonably dynamic. Um, and so I think humor and simplicity are what I, I think, I don't even know really, but I think they're what people like about my videos. But for some reason, my videos have done really well. Um, so my, my negotiating course on Udemy, I think is the top selling negotiating course in the world. Um, and I had a look, Brian Tracy, who's a total god. He's got a leadership course, but my leadership on Udemy sells more than his. You're kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're Brian, kidding. <laughs> if you're watching this, I'm not worthy. Oh know? my. Uh, which is, yeah. and I just, I'm, I mean, I'm really delighted to have reached so many people because funnily enough, it's not about the money. I mean, you know, that, that's great, but the reason I like doing it is I want to record everything that's in my head and get it all down there. It's a bit like you play gigs, live gigs in a band, just like a live training course. And that's fun. But sometimes you think, I wish I'd recorded that. But if you could go into a studio and record the best ever take of a particular track and really nail it, you've got that forever. And then if thousands of people listen to it, I mean, that's, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Happy and, days. And, yeah. And you can make a difference to, to a lot of people. So right now, my project management course is being listened to, viewed by about 3,000 people because you can look and you can see how many people. You can even send a message to someone who's watching it, which really freaks them out. Uh, are you enjoying my course? Whoa. But, but if 3,000 people are watching it, then even if only you know 1% do everything you've told them, that's still 30 people a day. who And that's thousands of people a year who have really been changed, hopefully for the better, by by videos I've made, which is, you know, that's so much leverage, isn't it? Because, you know, I can drive all the way to Manchester and talk to 10 people on a time management course. But while I'm doing that, there's another 3,000 watching one of my online courses. And, you know, obviously you multiply that by 40. There's a lot of people. That's you, have I, your, you, know. you have your online courses. You have your, I take it you're still doing face-to-face -face training of some kind. Yeah, I am. Yes, because I, I, I do a mixture of Zoom training and mm. actually turning up. So if it was Manchester mm. now, it, the M6 is too horrible. It's too far. So I live on the South Coast. So I would say I'll do it by Zoom or nothing. But if it's local to where I live, then I do it face to face because I do love the buzz of going to see a group of people. And uh, there's nothing quite like chatting and they ask you questions and we have a laugh and they tease each other. And all of that is more fun than Zoom and more fun than making videos. But financially, making videos is the best thing because it takes me a day to record a course and then it might bring in a thousand pounds a month for years. Passive income is king, isn't it? Passive income if you can do it. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. nowadays you can't get onto LinkedIn learning, but you can get onto Udemy. And I, I would really recommend anybody listening this. If you can make 20 videos each five minutes, so that's a hundred minutes, that's an hour and a half, say, if you've got a subject that you know enough about to do an hour and a half of, of useful, you know, every, you, there can't be padding. It's got to be real practical, useful nuggets. But if you can talk for an hour and a half about something, which is not long, then do it, record it and stick it on Udemy. And it just might, well, it might do well. It may not, and it's not guaranteed. And there's a mm. lot of competition, but you can look on Udemy for niches and make sure you have a good title. And there's a whole load of tricks to do with being successful. Yeah. I mean, there have been numerous discussions I've had with people who've said to me, well, the business models changed. There was a time when Udemy was quite profitable, but uh, there's a chunk of people who've said, well, there's such a, a chunk of money taken from my earnings that uh, it's not worth it anymore. I could see why from a point of view of getting your face out there, that would be do, good. Do you mean the cut that Udemy The cut, the cut that trainers get from- They've always taken two thirds. So- Mm. Whatever price you put, it gets reduced to 15 quid. If you join their um, marketing program, which you have to, because otherwise <laughs> you won't sell anything. So every, every course will sell for 15 quid and you get five. But a fiver isn't bad. I mean, if you sell 10 a day, that's 50 pounds a day, reaches for calculator, times 365, you know, that's 18,000 pounds a year you can get from one course. If you sell 10 a day, but I think the problem is it's, there are a lot of people on there now. Yes. And, you know, you need to be on page one, really, for people to find you. Because, I mean, you could try marketing your course yourself. 
put it on your own website, but nobody's going to see it because we don't, people don't come to our own websites much. Udemy has huge footfall, like millions of people a day, mm-hmm. but they've got to find it on there. So you've got to have the search tags and a good title and preferably get to page one. And what I do for that is I launch my courses by giving away 200 free ones. Um, and then another unlimited number reduced price. And I send that out to my mailing list because I got about 20,000 people on my mailing list that I've built up over the years. And so those 200 go in about five minutes. Um, and if you sell 200 or even give away 200 on day one, then Udemy notice that and it puts it higher up the search. They know the difference between giving them away and selling them as well. I mean, they're not stupid, but, but if you, if you have coupons for 200 and they just go just like that, then they put it on page one. It gets you to page one. And so the algorithm is, of course, one, learning these things, right? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And it's a constantly shifting game, but, but some sort of promotion at the beginning, if that can get you high up, then, um, then you can, uh, then hopefully you stay high up from then on. Mm-hmm. But you have to have networks. You have to have good reviews and things to stay yeah. up, you know. Like all of these, they're, they're algorithm driven. They, they look at, um, the number of maybe shares, likes, comments, yes. questions, um, downloads, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, since Udemy, which came out, I think in 2012, we have, um, uh, Maven, there is, uh, Skillshare. There are yeah. so many platforms. I take it you could create a course, make it a, a bit different and upload that course to another platform and another platform. Yeah. Well, Udemy. Normal Udemy is not exclusive, so you can put it everywhere else as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, if there's a difference in price, that's going to be perhaps a problem. Um, if it gets taken for Udemy for business, which means you get paid about twice as much, you get probably double your income if it, if Udemy for business take it. Interesting. Uh, and yeah, and you have to tick a box to say, I'm interested in it going on to Udemy for business and they may or may not take it. And there's a, I'm not really sure the logic of why they take some and not others, but, but if you put it on Udemy for business, it has to be exclusive and you can't put it anywhere else. I've tried putting courses on other places like Skillshare and all the, all the others. Uh, I get approached every week of we're setting up a new platform. Can we have one of your courses on our, because it's a great model, isn't it? Set up a platform, contact all the people on Udemy saying, can I have it? And then just get a cut. You know, so people are doing that. People are thinking that's a great idea all the time. And. I've never made any money from anybody apart from Udemy and LinkedIn Learning. I mean, I think Skillshare sent me 20 quid or something. Um, I would quite like to be on Masterclass because I ah. suspect that, but, but you have to be famous. And yes. in fact, I approached Masterclass and I said, you haven't got anything on project management at all. Because people like Beyonce can talk about, you know, style or something or marketing, but they, they don't talk about project management, do they? And nobody famous talks about project management. So I said, it'd be good to have something on project management. And I am as near as you can get to famous because I've got the best selling project management course in the world on LinkedIn learning. And I could make one especially for you. They didn't even reply to my email. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? What? You know, you now have you a sting and, and sting or something or Lenny Kravitz and you're teaching project management. That's yeah, well, different. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should get it. together with sting <laughs> and teach him it and he can do it. Do a rap. Do a project money. management rap with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be yeah, an honor, wouldn't it? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. He's so, a great guy. Uh, so I've not found anywhere apart from Udemy and LinkedIn. LinkedIn learning is the best of all, but very hard to get into. Mm. But I would say to other people, don't bother with anything apart from Udemy. If you can't make money on Udemy, forget it. Um, Great advice. And yeah, and, and putting them on your own website, of course, that's a whole other problem. Yeah, you of course, when, when you've got your own cut, uh, but you can't really beat the footfall of, of LinkedIn and uh, Udemy and others. No. Um, so you've got some got wonderful tips. It. And it's it's yeah. been a random, you know, I, what I've been good at is taking opportunities when they've come along. So as soon as I made the first course for Udemy, I thought, right, I'm going to make more of these, you know. And, uh, and when I went to be filmed by LinkedIn, I made sure I was really prepared. We filmed it really well, you know, and, th- and now when I go there to be filmed, you know, we do everything in one take, we film it in a day and they really like working with me because I'm so organized and everything is just there. Uh, and because, you know, new authors, you have to go through all the pain that I went through with my first ever course. You know, it's difficult till you've learned it. So, but all I've done is I've just taken opportunities. And when Zoom came along, I thought, oh, this is good. You know, I could, I could train people in America, which is what I've been doing. And I think. I'm a typical entrepreneur. And if I see something that I think I could do and could do it well and could make money out of it, I mm-hmm. think I'm going to do that. 
And, and I've got other training friends who, you know, just made no money at all during lockdown because they didn't want to, oh, I can't do Zoom. Oh, it won't work over Zoom. And I was thinking, well, I could find ways to make my courses work over Zoom. You know, I'll write on a whiteboard. I won't bother with the tech because it always goes wrong. And I'll, uh, instead of using real life post-it notes, we'll use PowerPoint. We'll move the post-it notes around. And I found ways to make my courses work over Zoom. And, and last year, my Zoom income and my face-to-face income were exactly the same. It's 50-50. So half of, leaving aside the courses, my sort of training income is now 50-50 Zoom and face-to-face. And I like that. It's a good, it feels like a good mixture because with Zoom, of course, I don't have to drive anywhere. I haven't even got to put trousers on. You know, I can just sit here. You know, you, you don't know if I'm wearing any now and I can just sit here and chat to my computer screen and, and I've got everything I need. I've got my heater on my feet. I've got my dog here. You know, I've got, I've got strawberry juice in the fridge. You know, it's great. And the South Coast view, I'm sure, if you're near there. Yeah. See. So I've been um, doing Zoom and face to face 50 50 and that works yeah. for me. But I think I've always been, good at spotting new things when they've come along. And I think that's, that's important for any self-employed person. Has anything new come along recently? I mean, Udemy is around a while, LinkedIn Learning is around a while, Skillshare, Maven, Mighty Networks, they're all around a while. Anything new that right now is um, piquing your interest? Well, blended learning is interesting. Okay. So that would be a mixture of, I actually turn up or I do a bit over Zoom, maybe a bit of coaching follow-up, and then you watch some of my videos, which, of course, that's very cost-effective because I don't charge you much, a little bit for them, but not very much. Um, and a mixture of those three, I think, could be great in whatever order. You know, maybe they watch the videos first, and then it's like, oh, my God, it's actually Chris. Or maybe I go and see them first, and then when they know me, the videos make more sense or whatever. And I think blended learning is probably the future, but I've offered it to a few customers, and they've gone... Oh no, that's too confusing. Can't we just, can't you just come and do it in person? Or, oh no, can't we just buy some videos? And I think customers are taking a while to get their head around blended learning, but surely that's one thing. I also think gamification is going to come. So instead of just watching me talk, wouldn't it be good if I say, right, if you think the answer is this, click here, and then it'll take you to another video that goes, Oh, you should never have clicked on that one. Oh, you're in trouble now. So these are your options now. And something like negotiating, you could have a really good mm. sort of maze of options and, and things. Um, and I've been thinking a bit about that, but LinkedIn and Udemy have no capacity for, they're not able to offer that yet. Yet. But, yeah. but at some point, surely making it more interactive is going to come. LinkedIn have added quizzes. Um, but you know, but that's not that much of a big deal. So they're, they're quite traditional really in the way they were. They're, they're interested in just doing really high quality traditional video courses. Instructional led virtual training, right? Yeah. But right. I, I think, you know, I think gamification might be something that comes and, you know, I, I haven't made anything yet on that because I'm not sure where I'd put it yet, but I think it's day yeah. will come. And I think that would be quite an interesting little challenge to make. Um, so I think that's a couple of things, uh, but particularly hybrid Blended learning, though, I think yeah. it's got to come. I mean, it's already there. I just don't know why customers don't want it. Hmm. So that's speaking, my journey, I would say. Such so really. speaking of your of your tips, you have some really good tips. In fact, lots of tips today. Um, one of them on my hmm. screen right now is don't do open courses. And I have to ask you about that. Why do you yeah. say don't do open courses? <sighs> well, years ago, um, when, in fact, when I was working at the university, I went to see Brian Tracy do a talk. And Brian Tracy is my hero. He's a total god. He's brilliant. And he he came to England. He was doing a European tour and he came to England. He did one day in England and it was in Northampton. Obviously, somebody in Canada, where he's from, had stuck a pin in the middle of England and went, where is the middle of England? Northampton. And, you know, and, and who would go to Northampton? You'd have it in Birmingham, surely, or London. But anyway, so the I went to Northampton to, do, to see him for a day and, and he was doing a talk on sales in the morning and leadership in the afternoon. And it was 300 quid and, you know, 300 quid to see Brian Tracy is a total bargain. Really? I mean, I charge that, you know, for individuals to come on a course. And so 300 quid was paid for by work. And I, I went to Northampton and there were 300 people there in this cheap cardboard hotel in Northampton. And it didn't even include lunch. We had to pay for our own lunch. And, and I remember thinking 300 
people times 300 pounds is 90 grand. So Brian Tracy made 90,000 pounds in a day. Now he had to do some marketing, he had to pay for the hotel, which would be about 2000 or something probably. He had to do some marketing, you know, maybe 10 grand's worth, but he made 90 grand in a day. And in his 10 day tour of Europe before going back to Canada, he made a million quid. And I just thought open courses are the answer. One day I'm going to do that. And I remember thinking I could do what he did. I mean, he is really good, but, but you know, I, I could be nearly as good as him, I reckoned. And, you know, and I was thinking I could do that 90 grand in a day. And so I've always remembered that. And most keynote speakers, you know, they get paid maybe five, 10, 20, 30 grand for 45 minutes, but it's one company paying for them, isn't it? It's not usually an open thing where, you know, individuals come. So when I had got reasonably established and was doing courses for companies, I started to advertise open courses um, because I thought there are lots of small companies who only want one person to learn about selling or negotiating. They can't justify getting me in for a thousand quid, but they, they just want to send one person for say 150 quid on a local course. So I started doing open courses, but the reason why I would say don't do them is they're a total nightmare to organize, to herd all the cats. Because some people want time management and some people want selling and some people want negotiating. So you've got to have a range of subjects and you'll end up with one person on one and two people on another. You know, you can't join them all up. And then some people want it in Bournemouth and some people want it in London and some people want it in Birmingham. And the Birmingham people won't travel down to Bournemouth and the Bournemouth people won't go to London. So you have to have locations, different subjects in different locations. And then finally, they want it now or within the next month. They won't, if you say, well, the next one I'm running is, you know, next February, they'll say, oh, I can't wait that long. Oh, no. So you have to run each course probably four times a year. So if you run, let's say, just project management four times a year in Birmingham, it's hard to get enough people. Um, and if you're running all these subjects in all these places, you know, it, you, you quite often get two people or three people. And they're paying, say, 150 or 200 quid. And it's not enough for it to be worth doing the day. And then occasionally you get 30 people. So that's great. Um, what is 30 times 200 quid? That's six grand, isn't it? So that's a good day. But you have to then find a bigger hotel room because you usually have to book a hotel in advance for them to be in. And, and, you know, a decent hotel will have rooms that can be expanded or a choice of, of rooms, but, but, you know, they tend to start get more expensive. Um, so the logistics of herding all those cats, because it's quite a lot of marketing. And then you get endless questions about, <clears throat> can I arrive half an hour late? And is there parking? And, and, you know, I've got a food allergy and da da da. So you end up having to do a lot of admin and then you've got to invoice them all at the end as well. So you've got to do 10 invoices, which they then don't pay. So you have to chase them up or whatever. And <clears throat> you can automate a certain amount because they could maybe book online beforehand. But you still got all these questions to deal with. You got to send them joining instructions and everything. So the admin makes it not worth it. <clears throat> and the dream of being Brian Tracy and having 300 people paying 300, the reality is you'll have five people paying 150. And that's, you know, it's not bad, mm. but <clears throat> the pain to get all those five people in a room on the same day. Oh, I can't do Fridays and, you know, whatever is, um, it's not worth it. So I would absolutely recommend doing in-company courses where they pay you to come to their company. They book the room. They sort the people out. If somebody doesn't turn up, it doesn't matter. You still get paid. You're paying, you're charging them a fixed amount for up to 16 people, let's say, or 20 people. And if they only have five on the day, that's their problem. And that happens sometimes. They have 10 people who drop out. There's a crisis or whatever, but they just have to get you in a second time then and pay you for another day. And that's their problem. I have to tell you a story at this point because um telling a story against myself, I won't say what city, but a number of years ago, I had the clever idea idea of running an open course. And I'd been at a, a couple and I thought, isn't this wonderful? People in the room begging to hear you speak yeah. to them. They paid a ticket and all that kind of stuff. I organized one. One person turned up. I had relied upon the one entity, one person to to take care of the marketing. It didn't happen. Um, I should have done some marketing myself. I had organized wonderful coffee. I went out and I actually helped to choose the coffee. I really wanted to make a good impression. I paid for the 
pastries myself and one person this it was it was mortifying it burned a cross on my soul and i thought yes. this will never happen again no. um i'm not brian tracy i'm not anthony robbins who am i kidding why not just leave the organization the admin to a company and you're right and yeah. but that said there are people listening i'm sure who say well, I've got open courses down to a T. I'm not one of those people that doesn't. No, if you can do it, respect. But yeah. you have to have them spaced every couple of months and they've got to be in a good location. Maybe if you live in London, it's a big enough catchment area for you to be able to get a critical mass together. Yeah. But where I am down in Dorset, it's uh, there's always a little bit of demand, but it's just half the amount that you need. You can never quite get enough. And and I've been doing it for a few years and I've just recently stopped doing it and it's just a weight off mm. my mind. The only thing that's worse than doing open courses that companies pay for, because a company will happily pay 150 quid to send somebody in a course. The only thing that's worse is getting people to pay for themselves. So, you know, if you if you do a course on negotiating and it's open to the public, you'll never get you'll never get them to pay more than probably 20 quid, even though the course is worth thousands to them. You'll never get them to pay more than 20 quid and, and you'll get, you know, you'll get 20 people paying 20 quid if you're lucky and 400. Um, and so the, the only open course that could ever work would be where companies send people. I have done a sort of mixed model, by the way, where companies can send people to join on a course I'm running anyway. So if I run, if I'm running a, com- a course for a little local company and they can not really afford the price, I can say, if you all open it up and a few other people can join, We'll split the money from them. So if we add four people, and let's say they're paying 200 quid each, that's 800 quid. So you can have 400 and I'll have 400. And that makes theirs come down from 1,000 quid to 600 and makes it viable. But a lot of companies don't want outsiders coming in on their training course to see the dirty laundry. or Exactly, yeah. And if it's something quite generic like time management, it could be okay. But something like leadership, it all gets a bit more personal and they don't want people and yeah you can't wheel out case studies and things like that because they're quite specific right so it's um it's difficult and and i would say to a trainer just forget home courses i mean it's it's a rabbit hole and it'll suck up all your time and energy and in the end i don't Mm. think it's a good way to go i'm conscious of time um we've covered loads we still have quite a bit to cover but um if we'll go through this at a reasonable rate now yeah um because there's loads we could talk about and one of the tips you have is free email tip of the month. Is, is this to build an email <clears throat> list? Yes. The best thing I ever did, it wasn't even my idea. The original idea was that after a time management course, I would email people and uh, or I would say, if you want a, a tip every month, just to keep it in your mind, I can do that. And it'll only cost a small amount of money, an extra hundred pounds or something. I'll send you these e-tips. And then I thought, actually make it free. Um, and that's what I've done. So for 20 years, at the end of every course, I just pass a bit of paper around and I say, if you want to get my tip of the month free forever, put your email address on here. And I've gradually accumulated 20,000 people and every single one has been writ- write- written down and then typed in by me or possibly my wife. And so I send out tip of the month every month. And if anybody wants it, they can, you'll probably put a link underneath, but, uh, you can just Google Chris Croft free tip of the month or whatever. Hmm. And I'll add you and you'll get it free forever. And it never repeats. That's my promise. So, and it might be about time management or negotiating or happiness or assertiveness. It's different every month. Um, <clears throat> and that has been such a brilliant thing for my marketing, partly because people move to new companies, but they still get my tip. Quite often they have it to their home email or they change their email when they move. And then they say to their new boss, you know, we should get Chris in, you know, we're terrible at project management. We should get Chris. And they remember me because of my tip. I stay in their mind. I think every day is far too much. I mean, people say you should send stuff every day. I don't want to get something every day from somebody. I'd be sick of that. But monthly, it's just an occasional little fun thing that comes in. So I stay in their mind without annoying them. I've only got to write 12 a year, which is not really a lot of work. And, and, and I send it. So course participants remember me forever and feel that I'm their friend. And the people who buy the courses also get my tip and they go, Oh, he does negotiating as well. Oh, he's done one on assertiveness. That's, we should get him in. So it's led to loads of work over the years, loads of work. How much effort is in those tips? In other words, how long are they to write? Um, well, there's sort of half a page of A4 sort of thing. Okay. So. 
I, I find them quite quick and easy to write, but mm-hmm. they write 12 a year. Um, I put a lot of effort into making sure they're good though. I mean, I care about them I, because they're going to go to 20,000 people. So they better be good. Occasionally I spot a typo after I press send, which is the worst feeling ever. Yeah. And then a hundred people email me. Did you see there was a typo? But, but I put in quite a lot of work into writing them and I, I try to make them fun. The other thing I do with my tip of the month is I put PSs. So I put fun little PSs about music I've discovered or, you know, whether I like Andy Murray or, or, you know, whatever. And it's that, that has been really successful as well, because if it was only a fun thing, I think people wouldn't want it. I wouldn't be allowed to send it into people's work, but because it's a serious work tip about, you know, five ways to motivate your team or, or some tips about how to improve your meetings or whatever it's allowed in. And then people, a lot of people say they only read the fun bits at the bottom, but so the fun bit makes them read it. And the serious bit gives it permission to get in. So I accidentally discovered that because I started putting PSs and now I put about 10 PSs and people love the PSs and they're just a chance for me to talk about whatever I'm interested Personalization. in. Personalization. Yeah. Um, something else well, that's that the tip month. Of the month. comes into um, my focus here on my list of things that you've given me is um, don't worry about being the ultimate experts, just provide a clear explanation of the basics. And that harkens back to what you said at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, people don't want the expert. What they want someone is to, is to explain the basics clearly. Yes, I I think that's really really important. I think that's the essence, and I think a lot of trainers worry about yeah, but do I know enough? And am I the expert? And I, I think you should keep studying your subject, keep reading about it. I mean, I read time management books all the time and pick out little bits I like from them. Um, but that's not the same as being an expert. And I, I'm just trying to make my course as practical and interesting and a little bit different mm. as I can. You know, you've got to have the classic theories. You've got to have some interesting nuggets that you've collected from, uh, from lots of books. And you've got to have a little bit that's unique to you that you've made up. And I think those three things, the classic, the nuggets and the, and the unique should all be in there. Um, and, but, but none of that is about being a world expert. And, and I really don't think people have to worry about that. The other thing I do is I give away a little mini book with my courses that I've made. And I'll, I'll wave one around, although this is only audio, but you could see it's really thin. It's just, it's a quarter of A4 and it's only 35 pages. That's project management, but people don't want a massive textbook. They want it boiled down to a really handy little mini book. Um, and, and if you get, they don't cost much to print, like a pound to print. So if you do a course for 15 people, it's cost me 15 quid to give those away. But it's great marketing because it's got, you know, my address and everything on it. And nobody's going to throw that away ever. If I've seen them on eBay, people have sold them on eBay for a couple of quid, which I'm a bit upset about, to be honest. But, but those mini books have been great marketing. I've also made little, I do a little sort of mini card, which, which I also give away yeah. to people to keep in their wallet, like negotiating. There's like 10 things to remember when you negotiate or whatever. And they keep those in their wallet as well. And that's, of course, it's got my phone number and my um, email address on the bottom. And I think I would definitely do those because you get repeats. And people say, you know, I'm working for a different company now, but I found your little book the other day and it made me think we should get you in. And, and I think my tip of the month and my mini book and my little card have led to probably 20 or 30 days a year of repeats that I wouldn't have had. It's hard wow. to measure. And, and if you're charging nearly two grand a day. I mean, you know, 30 days of repeats, that's probably 50 grand a year that I get from my little marketing efforts. So, so I think mini books, cards, um, and just keeping it really simple. You don't, you don't have to be, you don't have to be the world expert to teach a subject. You have to just, you have to really understand it. Um, but you have to understand the basics really well because you can't explain it until you really understand it. That's what I found. And you also said to me that um, you should have three subjects, not not ten. And I, and I agree with you. Now, I perhaps I'm known for one, which is sales coaching. But I can see merits in what you're saying. There was a time when I was trying to juggle a couple of courses, and I would think, how can I possibly update, sound up to date on these things? But yeah. there is a little bit of 
of wisdom in there. In fact, lots of wisdom in having that redundancy. There will be companies that will not want you for that thing because they've got someone else and they're very yeah. happy. Or him and, you could you teach know. negotiating because yeah. it's really related to sales. And all those salespeople need negotiating as well. Customer service is related to sales as well. That's yeah. another whole big subject. And there's a logic to covering those three things. You could have a story that explains why those are the three, but you could also go into sales management, couldn't you? And there's a whole, yeah. you know, so I, I absolutely think that those are subjects which would go well. And, and then you'd have that safety of, you know, not only teaching one thing. Yeah. And I love the idea about the books. That, that's because I've written one, but um, it's 288 pages. Yeah. But what, what, as you should book as well. Thought, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Take yeah, something. I've got, like, yeah. I've got 10 mini books. They're all on Amazon. People can look, but I, I don't really sell very many from Amazon. I, I'm not even suggesting people now would listening mm. to this would buy them, but have a look at them and you can see the format of them and you can copy the idea. Well, you can always buy one of them and, you know, copy the format if you want. But I found people really like the mini books because people are too busy to read a big book, especially nowadays, attention spans and things. Yeah, you're right. And as I'm listening to you, I'm kicking myself saying I should have perhaps divided the book up into more chapters. But you know what? That's the next thing. Never too late. Never too late. That's the next thing. Chris, where can people find out more about you? You've mentioned a couple of resources, links. Let's summarize those again for people listening. Um. Yes. Where can they find it? Well, chriscroft.com is my website. So I go there. Um, the other two big places, go to YouTube, because uh, I've got about 300 videos on YouTube. It's all free, obviously, YouTube. But if you want to see the kind of things I do and learn about negotiating or project management, I've got loads on YouTube. I've, I've gone for abundance mentality. So I've given away loads because uh, I hate it when you can't get free samples and you know you can't find out about a person. Um, and YouTube has led to work. Um, I, I would strongly suggest putting videos on YouTube, even if you don't like being videoed, because if somebody's going to hire a trainer, they want to know what, what, what's he like when he's talking. You know, they want to see you. And, and if you've got two videos on YouTube that were made five years ago, they probably think you're dead or something, you know? So YouTube, have a look at me on there. The third place is LinkedIn and please do follow me on LinkedIn. I used to say connect. But I've run out of connections. Did you know there's a limit of 30,000 connections? Did I didn't know that. I've never had to worry. Yeah. I probably, probably never will have to worry about having. Well, they didn't tell, they didn't tell me about it till I got to okay. 29,900 and then they suddenly told me. And, um, but you can right. follow me. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, then you'll see I post probably every two or three days, really useful, practical things, free videos. I make my LinkedIn courses completely free every now and then. So you get it for 24 hours. Yeah. You can make videos free forever and you can make the courses free for 24 hours. So from the moment you click on it, which could be months after I posted it, you get 24 hours of totally free access to that whole course. So I I made my negotiating course free today. So to go to my LinkedIn, just have a look. And all you do, you just click on it and you obviously get the popcorn in and prepare to binge (laughs) and watch the whole course in 24 hours, but it's only about an hour and a half long. It's not long. Um, and so you can watch the whole thing and you know, why would you not? So follow me on LinkedIn. Cause I'm always putting stuff on there and some of it's pretty funny. I've got a character called Terry Dactyl, who's a horrible man who gives really bad advice about management. He's just the, re- he, he, he's based on some of the bosses I've had in the past. So you have to do the opposite of what Terry Dactyl says. So he's on, you can find him on my LinkedIn uh, feed. So I think LinkedIn, chriscroft.com and YouTube would be the, and obviously if you do want to buy courses, then have a look at me on Udemy, udemy.com. You're still on Udemy, of course. Yeah. 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 I've got, I've got a whole load. I've got about 25, I think courses on Udemy. Wow. Super, super impressive. And I'm sure for people listening, this is inspirational. You've so many options. If you've got expertise, you can write books, many books, you can produce videos, newsletters, just get your content out there. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. to Chris's point, you don't have to be the expert. You just got to have a particular way of delivering something with simplicity, clarity, so much so that people want you to come back and do it again and again and again. It's been well worth the wait. I, I've looked forward to this chat and uh, it's been fantastic. Chris, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mark. That was a long episode today. I'm delighted we kept recording. Most of the episodes I record are about the 30 to 25 minute mark. 
But uh, this was a full hour today with Chris, and I'm so glad we did because Chris has had loads of learning over the years and things he really wanted to share with you. And I think you could hear the passion in his voice. He really wants to help people. And by the way, he's also working with trainers, helping them to improve their training uh, output. And uh, that's all on his LinkedIn profile. And Chris has mentioned a couple of places where you can find him online. You can get in touch on LinkedIn, of course, and you can find his courses on LinkedIn Learning and, of course, on Udemy. If you have a question or a suggestion for an episode like this, please email me, mark at trainingbusiness.com. My team, Sam, Joe, James, Turrell, and of course myself, really appreciate your loyalty and your time. And if you can think of other people who are thinking or might benefit from becoming an instructor, a trainer, and want to make a living from it, then this is the show to tell them about. And you'll find all episodes, past, present, and future, on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, or something else. Many podcast platforms out there these days. And you'll find all episodes, of course, over at trainingbusiness.com. There is a fresh episode again next Thursday. So until then, when I look forward to seeing you, hearing from you next time, knowing that you're there is wonderful. And I look forward to that next week. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.